Good morning. My name is John Bland. I'm the family pastor here, and thank you so much. If you are a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here. We are having a summit today, and so you have joined and visited us at a great day. If you are tired, if you are weary, this is our Abide Summit, and so we thank you so much for being here. If you cannot find a table, there are plenty of people, plenty of seats up here at front, and of course around the edges, there's plenty of tables available, so please fill in as best you can. Meet some new people this morning. Uh, and so at the same time, if you are a guest with us this morning and want to know more about what's going on, you can fill out a card in the back of the seat before you. I don't know if y'all can even hear me or not, but thank you all so much. We'll get started here in just a few minutes. Snacks and desserts are all right there uh, in the back. So enjoy, and then we'll get started here in a few minutes.
Good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started again. I know we've got some more, I'm sure, that will be trickling in in our normal service time. Um, but man, is, that first session was encouraging to me. I hope it was encouraging to you, Andy. That was exactly exactly what, what I needed to hear. And so I thought for our start with the word this morning that I would just cover what he covered. In case you're just joining us, let's just read these words again because this is really the foundation of all that we're talking about today. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Isn't that a sweet invitation? Isn't that good news? You know, this morning, in case you're just trickling in, our speaker this morning is Andy Frazier. And Andy, I thought you would be the perfect person to talk to us about these things. Andy has a young family. Andy has a real job. And Andy has ministry. And then on top of that, he has a secondary ministry through Insight Ministries where he and uh, Mark Ganey lead a podcast, a number of other things. And so literally, guy, I think you're almost omnipresent. Like you're, you're everywhere at the same time. It's, it's pretty impressive, and so he's one of the busiest guys that I know, um, and so it's, it's a great opportunity for us to hear how, I know imperfectly, and you don't feel like you always do it well, I've, I've heard you talk about that, but how you attempt to abide and remain in Christ in the middle of such a frantic uh, schedule. And so this morning, I want us to do our normal call to worship now. Um, it, it's, it's perfect for what our theme is today, for us to take a moment to just reset ourselves and prepare our hearts for what God has for us. And Vern, if you would go ahead and begin making your way up uh, for our prayer time while I do this. This morning we welcome you. To all who are weary and need rest. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares. To all who fail and desire strength. To all who sin and need a savior. To all who hunger and thirst for righteousness and to whomever will come, our church opens wide its doors and offers our welcome from Jesus Christ, the ally of his enemies, the defender of the guilty, the justifier of the inexcusable, and the friend of sinners. As we prepare to kick off this second session to, together, what I want us to do is have a time of confession before the Lord, where you can just bear your heart and tell your heart, tell, tell the Lord about the guilt that you're carrying the shame that you're carrying, or a sin that you've committed, or a sin that you're planning to commit, that even now you would just go and open it up because the Lord says that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Today, today, you can be washed clean. It can be removed from you as far as the east is from the west. All the obstacles that are keeping you from having that close, intimate connection with the Christ. And so we're going to have a time of silence. Again, awkward and uncomfortable, unusual, I know. But I want you to take that and confess as many of your sins silently before the Lord. And then Vern is going to close us with a time of corporate confession of sin.
Jesus, thank you so much, first and foremost, for uh, understanding our temptation, showing us how to overcome temptation. And Father, we just thank you so much also for 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 paying for our sins, Father, and and that you tell us that in you there's there's no condemnation, Father. Thank you for that. Thank you, Father, again for your teaching and for you to, 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 to push us on, Father, when we do fall, that you pick us up, Father. You dust us off and you tell us to continue to move, Father. We thank you so much for that. Father, help us to be strong in that. Help us to walk in that. And, Father, as a people, I pray that you hear our prayers, that you forgive us of our sins, Father, and that you help us to be strong and walk in you. And, Father, to be a light to this world, Father. As a nation, Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins. That, Father, you would, you would put your hand on us, Father. And that uh, as Christians, that we would look into our own lives, Father. And get ourselves straight, Father. And, Father, help us to, again to be a light to the world. And, Father, help us to be... Uh, sharing you with others so that they can also have that understanding of, of forgiveness of sins, Father. I pray for our nation. I pray for us as a people. And I just ask that you, uh, that you continue to work in us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.
so good this morning. Thank you for being here. Let's continue to worship with Come Now Fount, Come Now King. Your bride, 
be seated. We're going to enter into a time of our next uh, yield discussion, so uh, you guys get ready for an exciting time with uh, the beard. Yes. Uh, today we have, um, or right now we have uh, Daniel, I'm going to put it right over here, Daniel Hall and Linda Cockle, two who I think uh, the world of, uh, really. And um, Linda Cocker, you've been, I, I know I've said this over and over again, but you've been an uh, instrumental, you and your family have been an instrumental part in my, my ministry. Um, uh, Gary was one that, that helped me with my resume. Uh, I don't know if, if I ever told you that, but um, helped get me started in ministry. And so um, I know your husband has touched many lives. And so uh, thank you for sharing him with, me, with this church uh, and everyone around. So. Um, but I know, we, we've kind of talked uh, several times, and uh, both of y'all, y'all live two totally different lives, right, y'all? You are retired, I want to say, but you have so many grandchildren, and I know that you are 
all over the place um, a lot of times. And um, uh, Daniel, you work at the depot, and so those those drives. But you also have a lot of kids, and you also <laughs> a lot of kids, a lot of kids, Daniel, a lot of kids. How many kids do you have? Seven. <clears throat> Seven kids. Uh, so I will not complain about the the as many as I have. Okay. Um, but no, um, uh, your lives are busy in different ways. Um, but we also know that, the, and the reason really why we asked you guys is because you're real. You're, you're, you're not going to sugarcoat it, and that's who we wanted uh, to be up here for this discussion. Like, so oftentimes... Quiet time is, is something that a lot of us put off. Quiet time with God, and, and Andy already touched on that this morning or the first session, uh, getting along with God and, and being with God and, and just resting in Christ. But, but at the same time, that may not happen every day. If we're real people and we, we say we're real, that is, is not going to happen every day. So, Daniel, I'm actually, I'm actually going to start with you. Like Your busyness, how does, how does the real Daniel... Have a quiet time. So um, this is how I've um, come to work mine in through many failures over the years. <laughs> through, um, like the song said, prone to wonder, um, prone to um, start um, living as the world will. So me and Cindy, as we've um, made um, uh, held each other accountable every morning to um, to give our we get up 15 minutes early um, to try to be intentional to um, to spend time in the Word. So we um, we start with a um, a devotion in the morning. We spend about five minutes uh, reading it, and um, and then we spend about 10 minutes in prayer. And um, I know it doesn't work for everyone who has little kids running around, but um, we um, we made a commitment uh, to you know get up 15 minutes early because we commit. To so many other things in our, in our lives that, you know, why can't we just commit 15 more minutes um, to the Lord? And, um, and we have come to find out that when we don't have that time in the, um, to begin our day, that everything seems crazy, you know. And yeah. um, we, um, there's so many, so much outside noise in the world today, so many things trying to get our attention and you know, I think um, time is one of our greatest assets that we have now. And, um, and to, you know, 15 minutes doesn't seem like much, but 15 minutes in today's world is a lot. Yeah. And um, I think it's good to have that accountability. Cindy, of course, holds me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cindy, by the way. We love Cindy. It's good to have, you know, if you're, even if you're single, to have a D group or someone to hold you um, to that, you know, 15, you know, 15 minutes every day. We actually, later on in the morning, at I'm at work um, on my first break. We read a devotion called the first 15, and it's based on the fact that you know we should give the first part of our, our morning yeah. um, to God. You know, otherwise we, we start out um, with you know you pick up your phone and you go you know, there's bad news or you look at Facebook and there's just a minutia of whatever. Um, I've actually trained myself to first thing I pick up in the morning on my phone is open my Bible app. And to see the verse today, which the verse today is actually today is eleven um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me who are um, uh, weak and heavy burdened, and uh, so um, first fifteen minutes we, of our day we 
have spend in like five minutes or two, ten minutes in prayer. We pray together. Um, we do pray. I pray. Like I know that's as young couples, I know that's kind of hard to to do. But I encourage you just to man, just to to make a commitment with each other to do it. It's awkward and it feels awkward, and but it gets it gets easier. Um, and then um, we do a devotion. Like I said, my my first break, we me and her text back and forth parts of devotion. That way we're holding each other accountable again. Yeah. Hey, I've read it. You know, even sometimes I might just copy and paste it, and I don't know what it says, but just. <laughs> <laughs> but and then so you know throughout the day. Um, then you take notes. <laughs> So we also, we've started ending our, so we've made a commitment to each other to, at the end of the day, we take, we read one chapter of the Bible. And um, we start out in Psalms and read specific Psalms, and now we're in the New Testament. And um, and once again, there's some some days that I just, I'm, I'm just ill, and I'm ready to go to bed, and I'm, I don't really, I just want to go to bed. And she's got the Bible laid up on, on the bed, and she's like, we're going to read the Bible, and I'm like... <laughs> All right, <laughs> so, so I guess you know, it's to me, it's very. We have to, as men, I think we we relate quiet time to women, you know, like, you know, um, because we kind of that's kind of their deal. But as men, I think we need to be more intentional about leading our families because we're leading our families one way or the other, whether you're leading them with to the Lord or whether you're leading them um, in the world, and even in our lukewarmness and. We're leading them one way or the other, and so um, now the women are always going to like tend to hold us accountable more often than not. But um, we um, we uh, try to begin our day in the Word and end our day in the Word. Yeah. In, in the Word, and um, so that way, no matter how much I mess up throughout the day, I know I've done one thing right. I've accomplished yeah. one thing. That's good. That I've spent you know a few minutes with the Lord and. Maybe learned a little something about him that I didn't know before. There you go. Thank you so much, man. Linda, um, I know that you have a, a somewhat, you, you do have a busy schedule whether you think you do or don't. Uh, it's, um, you have so many grandkids, you have so many things that you do outside of church, uh, then Sundays, and I, I know you run around all the time too. So what does, what does your quiet time look like? Well, it's gotten a lot easier over the years when it's just you, Dana. Um, you can black out the world, so to speak, and uh, a lot of times I'll just, I use my circumstances, I, I just cry out to God the way I see and ask forgiveness for, you know, the things I've done or not done in my life. Um, when you are there by yourself, I share a little bit about my life to some of you that don't know, but you want God's presence in your life. You want to feel him so well, you want to, you want to feel like he's in the room with you. And when you have these quiet times with him, there's been so many times that, that I felt, I mean, I felt his presence. And um, when you lose your second daughter after you've already lost one daughter, and you say, why me, Lord? Why did this have to happen to me? Not just one, but two, you know. And he comes back and he says, well, why not you? When you have two grandchildren that had incurable diseases, when the after this, you know, the sapling came out, I cried out to God. I said, God, why both of them? You know, why not just, I've already got one that's, you know, got incurable disease. And I said, why the second one? 
and he comes back and he says, why don't you? I feel some unrest. When you're sitting in that room after you lose your spouse and it's nobody but you and God, you better have a quiet time with him. You better be have an intimate relationship with him because that's, that's all you've got. Um, I, I, my scripture for today, I think it was in Psalms 119, 10, it says, seek the, Lord with, seek the Lord with your whole heart. And I think that's what he wants is for us to seek him with our whole heart. And just let him be in every situation that you're involved in because he's faithful. We're not faithful. We stumble and we fall. And there's been times in my life when I hadn't even wanted to get out of bed. But, you know, he's given me that strength to keep keep on keeping on. And it's not because of what any, anything that I've done, but it's all about him. I know when I was younger, my quiet time used to be about me. But now it's it's all about God. I don't know if it's age or maturity in your faith or what, but uh, it's all about him. Wow. Yeah, we uh, we preached a while back about uh, giving our first fruits and our last fruits to God each and every day. And um, uh, I, I think as a, I, I will confess as a pastor that a lot of times I, I fail in that. And um, But if, if, these, if this interview has helped me any, it's, it's uh, uh, I made it to where I, I, I have to. And it, it's, it needs to be more about I, I want to and I get to um, versus where I have to. And so um, thank you both for encouraging us to just, just be real. And whether it's five, whether it's 45, whether it's an hour, um, get that alone time with God and make it about God and not yourselves. Um, let's pray and we'll enter back into a time of worship. Father, um, God, we, we fail you. God, each and every day, and God, it is God, it's so amazing how you continue to love us regardless of that. I don't understand. I don't understand. And God, that's okay. But Father, I pray that, that as we go throughout our day, Father, that we would, God, seek you before anything else. God, that we would dive into your word before anything else, before any of the, the drama, the social media, God, whatever we look at beforehand, God, that we would give you our first fruits, our first offerings before any of that. God, that we would submit our lives, God, to, to loving others, God, to, to pursuing after you with all that we have. God, may we do that. Father, we love you, and uh, God, we thank you so much for God blessing us when we are so unworthy of it. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Would you guys stand and worship with us?
ready to uh, go into a time of confession. Abby, if you'll make your way up. I want to share with you about Thanksgiving. So obviously, <laughs> as you can see on your tables, it's Thanksgiving week. And, uh, and we have much to be thankful for. And so many times we get um, just beat down, bogged down, and we get overwhelmed. And, and a lot of times, one little small negative thing can, can just seem to overrun a magnitude of good things in our life. Hear the words of Psalm 92, verse 1 and 2. It is good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing his praises. 
to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Guys, let's take a couple of minutes. We're going to have a time of prayer in just a moment. We're going to spend about 30 seconds in silence. Close your eyes. Thank God for his faithfulness and his blessings in your life. God, thank you for your goodness and your blessings over us. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you for your sacrifice so that we may have freedom and life in you. Renew our spirit. Fill us with your peace and joy today and every day. We give you praise and we give you thanks for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Andy, if you will come at this time, we'll begin session two. Thank you, Andrew, praise team. That was fantastic. Uh, the yield discussions have been great so far. I'm, I'm encouraged to be here. Uh, by no means am I going to fool myself in thinking I'm coming to just drop all these uh, gospel bombs and all this great knowledge on you. You guys are greatly encouraging me. Uh, in case you haven't uh, heard me yet and you just got here, my name is Andy Frazier and greetings from Summerton, Alabama. Uh, I live about 18 miles northwest of Birmingham. I've uh, been married for a little over 20 years, have three boys. And there's no dull moments at our house. If you have three boys, you know what I'm talking about. There's always something going on. But I am glad to be here with you today and sharing with you, not just from God's Word, but sharing with you from my mistakes. You know, we learn a lot from our mistakes, we're told. I learn a lot every single day. I make a lot of them. If you don't believe me, I can give you my wife's cell phone number. She'll tell you a lot of the mistakes I make every day. Or if you don't want to talk to her, I can give you the phone number of our staff or leaders at our church. They'll share with you the mistakes that I make. But we all make mistakes. And I am thankful that despite my mistakes, that the grace of God is evident every single day. That we can take advantage of that. <clears throat> so today we're talking about abiding and resting in Jesus few minutes ago we talked about that passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to go back there for just a few more minutes today. It is a treasure trove of gems and precious jewels that you can just keep going back for more and more and more. I feel as though every single time I get to stand before God's people and declare God's word, it's not what to say, it's what shouldn't I say because there's so much you can say it's the picking and choosing of what you leave out. That's the, that's the issue. Just like in our lives. It's not what to do, but it's what not to do, usually, is the biggest choice for us. 
have a picture for you to look at for just a minute, to bring some comfort to you. Doesn't that look just so awesome? I mean, that is, I mean, you may see it up here at Cheha, but we don't see it back in Walker County, okay? We don't, we don't see pictures like this. Snowy mountains with a comfortable cabin. That just looks so beautiful. So I want you to use your glorified imagination with me for just a minute. Picture yourself maybe over one of those distant mountain peaks. And you're hiking and you're on the way back and all of a sudden the weather has changed. It's gotten much colder than you prepared. The snow's all of a sudden blowing sideways and off in the distance. You see your little cabin. The smoke billing up out of the, out of the chimney and... You know there's a fire waiting on you inside. You're going to make your way there knowing everything's going to be okay, right? Well, winter is longer in some places than it is in Alabama, right? And that's a normal, typical mountain view that a lot of people have during wintertime. Some people are blessed with views to look out of a cabin and see such things as snow-capped peaks, In Alabama, we usually just see frost in the morning, and by the afternoon, we're wearing a short sleeve shirt, right? It's different. But if you are so cold and so tired and often going through a situation like that, you're going to be hungry, and you get to this place of shelter, and as soon as you walk in and you take your boots off and your hat off and your coat off and all those layers of clothes that people have to wear that don't live in Alabama... And you sit down by the fire and you eat a warm meal. It's so comforting, isn't it? Some of you are just now thinking, I need to go to Gatlinburg, right? I need to book a cabin in the mountains. Sounds great. By the way, if you haven't looked lately, prices are outrageous, okay? This little cabin right here on Airbnb, I think it's $1,100 a night. So, But going somewhere like that, in, in, in finding comfort, I mean, first off, more than likely the person who goes inside this cabin is not the one who built it, but you go inside and, and it's a refuge. It's a place of rest and, and comfort, not just from the elements outside, but from the physical labor that you're having to do to make it over the mountains and back to the cabin. And you're being refreshed and renewed by the food you're eating. Today, as we look at God's Word, I want you to kind of keep that mental picture in your mind. What we have to go through in this world is much harder than trekking through the snow or making our way through a blizzard or making our hike over tall peaks of mountains. What we're having to do is we're having to make our way through a fallen world that is full of sin and the effects of sin. And in our own lives, we feel that. We feel the shame and the guilt and, and we're busy like we talked about earlier and we're tired and we just, we want something like this in our lives where we know we can go and just rest. Let me tell you, the rest we have in Jesus is greater than any cabin on a mountaintop that you can ever go to. Because as, as I heard that interview a while ago, I'm thinking if you have seven kids or if, if you're a widow, you can still find rest in Jesus. It doesn't have to be a perfect situation in the world for you to find rest in him. And that's a picture, right? But in our world, things aren't picture perfect. 
they're difficult. And I'm thankful that we have a Savior who knows that and knows each and every one of us and where we are and what we need. And many of us, we long for that rest that's found in Jesus. So let me encourage you to open your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Pastor Cody read that passage of Scripture to open the service earlier again. It's just a fantastic few verses. And let me encourage you, if you have an underlined verses 28, 29, and 30, do so. Write them on a note card if they still make those. Or, or put a reminder on your phone so it pops up every so often to meditate on these words. Maybe even memorize them. <clears throat> Burdens... Burdens, just the word burden, it brings about a negative connotation. Any of you who have ever done any hiking, maybe not in the snowy mountains, but if you've carried a backpack any distance, you know you want to travel light. You want to carry as little as possible to take care of you. And Jesus is saying the burdens you and I carry in this fallen sinful world if we want true rest, we lay those burdens at his feet. And we take his burden, which isn't a negative thing. It's a great thing. And it will help us. So that's what I want us to see today, that, that resting in Jesus and abiding in Jesus and, and coming to Jesus, it's comfort. It's refreshing. It's renewing. And I don't know about you, but I need that on a regular basis. So let's pray that God will give that to us as we read this word today. I'm just going to jump down to verse 28 here. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Then he goes on to say this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're so thankful for God's word. As we read these words, maybe they're in red in your Bible and you recognize these are the words of Jesus. God's son in the flesh. Born of a virgin. Born under the law. And he was righteous in all his ways, obedient in every way possible, without sin. This is the one who is speaking about come to him. He will give you rest, but he's also saying this. Give your burden to him and take his burden on you. It's an exchange. One of the greatest verses in all of Scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might can become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange. We imputed our sin. We gave our sin to Jesus when we asked for forgiveness by faith. And Jesus gave us his forgiveness and righteousness in return. That's a, that's a good deal, isn't it? He's saying here the same thing. There's an exchange that needs to take place. If you want to find true rest for your souls, if you are weary and exhausted, if the thought of just going to a cabin in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone reception sounds great, just to get rid of all the cares of the world and all the expectations that people are putting on you, Jesus is saying he has something greater than that to offer you. And that is peace that passes all understanding. 
love and joy that you cannot comprehend. He has things in store for you as you abide in him that you have no idea how to wrap your mind around. Just how good he is. And it's this Savior Jesus who is saying, come to me, take my yoke and give me your burden. And let me place my yoke and burden on you. There's an exchange. So we're going to talk about that today. Let me show you a picture of a yoke, okay? Some of you may thought, may have thought, well, an egg is going to be cracked open here. Not that kind of yoke, right? Different kind. This is a yoke in Jesus' day where ox or oxen, by the way, why is oxen plural for ox and boxen's not plural for box? I never understood that. But here we have a yoke. Most of the time, you had fairly even oxen who were yoked together so that they could carry the load and, and it, the weight be distributed evenly. But sometimes you had an older or a stronger or a younger and a less mature ox who, who was paired together and it was, was uneven. But the reason that ox is yoked with that rigid thing around its neck is so that no matter the inadequacy of one or the strength of the other, they're pulling the load at the same rate. And many times when you have a weaker one, the stronger ox is able to take the, the, the brute force that they have and carry the load. Isn't that a neat illustration? But it's not just that kind of yoke that Jesus is talking about here. I find it very fascinating that the kind of yoke Jesus is talking about is not just the kind of yoke that an oxen wears to pull a load, but it's the kind of yoke a rabbi passes on to his disciples. In Jesus' day, one of the most respected people in society was a rabbi. And if you notice, as the disciples follow Jesus around and they misunderstand who he is, oftentimes they refer to him as rabbi. And Jesus had called those to follow him his disciples. And that's the same terminology and relationship and dynamics that a rabbi had in Jesus' day with those who he found qualified and good enough to call to follow him. And if a rabbi looked at a young Jewish boy and they thought they had it all together, they've had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized, they could pass the quiz. They also knew the intricacies and details of this rabbi's own personal understanding and teachings and gleanings from Scripture, and they could spout those off by memory. If, if there was a Jewish boy that was good enough, this rabbi would take this young boy, make him his disciple, and then he would place on him his set of teachings called his yoke. You see what's happening here? Jesus is saying he's different than any rabbi who's ever lived and will be different than any rabbi who ever lives. He's saying, come to me and receive my set of teachings, my expectations, my interpretation of Scripture. You know, if we're going to have anybody's interpretation, it would be really good of us to think, I would like to have God himself interpret his Scripture to me rather than secondhand somebody else. So Jesus, 
Like other rabbis around his time, Hillel, Shammai, Gamaliel, they were well known, not just as a personality, but even for their set of teachings. Pharisees, scribes, those who held closely to the law, and rabbis, they often claimed that there were over 613 positive commandments that someone needed to obey in order to follow God correctly. In addition to these, most rabbis would tack on a minimum of 39 instructions on how to obey these 613 laws and expectations. I don't know if you know or not, but that's a lot. I mean, in Walker County math, that's more than I can count on both hands. That seems like a big burden to place that yoke on someone. Here's what I expect of you if you follow me. 650 plus laws, rules, and regulations. And here's the bad thing. Even though they were guys, they had to read the instructions because we're terrible at that, aren't we? You can't just go follow a rabbi willy-nilly and just, you know, do it how you want to. You have to, with a fine-tooth comb, go through everything that they expect of you. Know the law. Know their interpretation of the law. Know their personal take on things on how you are to obey all of those things. Jesus used this ancient metaphor for a yoke to define discipleship. To follow a rabbi as his disciple, we must leave our conditions and interpretations and expectations, and we must take on Jesus' set of teachings, expectations, and interpretations. We must lay our personal preferences down and we must imitate his. That's what a good disciple of a rabbi did. Yet, Jesus' yoke was different than any other rabbis. He's not saying, here's what I expect of you to do. Later on, you hear from Jesus, the ultimate rabbi, saying, this is what I have done for you. You see, there's rest in that. There's rest in understanding it's not about what you and I do, have done, or haven't done. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. You see, the burden we carry following Jesus, the yoke we take on in being his disciple, is a light and easy burden, he describes. Why? Because he's done all the heavy lifting for us. He's the one that pulls the load, and shame on us to ever think differently. Corey Tinboom used to tell a story of a woodpecker in the middle of a forest who was just pecking away on a large tree. A storm blew up, lightning struck the tree, and it shattered it to splinters. And all the other forest creatures went to check on the woodpecker, and the woodpecker shook his head and looked around and said, Did you see what I just did? Oftentimes, we as Christians are tempted to do that. We are tempted to take the grace and the empowering work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our life, and we're, we're claiming we did that. And 
we can't. Because when we are yoked to Jesus, he has done the work for us. And now that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting to return, he has given us the Holy Spirit who has now yoked us with himself. And he empowers us to follow Jesus and be his disciples. Here's how this helps us. Here's how this allows us to find rest in Jesus, to find comfort in knowing who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Listen to this. At the time Jesus lived, and not too long after that, Jewish rabbis would not only take God's law, but they would take regulations and rules and rituals and add on top of them more and more regulations and rules and rituals. Sabbath would, was, was one of the strictest things that they looked at. You see, you were ordered to take a Sabbath day of rest. And this is how serious they took. You could not carry anything heavier than a dried fig. I just ate some fig newtons in honor of this illustration, by the way. Fantastic. You couldn't eat anything, carry anything that was considered a load or a burden. As a matter of fact, if you carried something half as heavy as a dried fig, you could do it as much as two times, right, if my math is correct. If you were in the middle of reaching to your plate and eating something that was heavier than a fig and it was on your eating utensil, before it got in your mouth, listen to this, and the sun came up, you would have to drop it immediately because you would be guilty of carrying a burden. Baths could not be taken. Teenagers probably loved that one. Clothing could not be washed. Nothing could be bought or sold. You had to be careful not to spill a drop of water on the floor to wipe it up because that would be considered cleaning and therefore against the rules. A chair could not be moved in the average home. Why? Because the homes had floors made of dirt and if the the chair's leg drug in the dirt and made what was a little rut, they would consider that a furrow and that was work. I don't know about you, this sounds exhausting. A woman couldn't even look in the mirror unless she was tempted to see a gray hair and pluck it out. I wouldn't have to worry about that. Some of you might. This is sad, isn't it? This is heavy to think, to think that you and I had the same expectations placed on us as these rabbis placed on their disciples. But here's something you may not realize. God expects more out of you and me than this. He expects complete perfection, not just on Sundays, but every day. And not just every day of the week, but every day of our lives from the time we're born until the time we die. That's a big burden, isn't it? But here's good news. When you are yoked to Jesus, he has done the work for you. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at some 
horrible, despicable sinner who can't meet the rules and regulations, he looks at you and says, there is my son or my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Because he looks at Jesus and sees that. We're covered in his righteousness. So when Jesus is saying, come to me and receive my burden, take my yoke upon you, it is not work he's calling us to, but it's rest. It's rest that he is calling us to. But we make work out of the rest that Jesus is calling us to. Here's what happens when he's saying, take my yoke. I will give you rest. My burden is easy and light. And we make work out of it. We think this. We think law. We think rules. We think obedience and disobedience. Good news. Good news. The law is not just a series of tests to pass or fail. The law is not just a series of tests to pass or fail. Here's why this is good news. Because we've all failed miserably. None of us would be able to pass the test. On the best day of our life, we wouldn't be able to pass the test. But Jesus has passed for us. That's good news. So here's what we do. We make work out of the rest that Jesus has promised us. We hand in the burdens and we take his and then we lay his down and place our burdens and others back on us. And we make our load heavy. Here's how we do that. This word called legalism. That sounds like such a terrible church word, doesn't it? I mean, that picture of the cabin in the mountains a while ago, all I can think of, man, that's colder than a legalist heart out there in the mountains, right? We think legalism is just this terrible, terrible thing. But here's the thing. It is, it is part of all of us as a Christian. We are all legalists to a certain point. And we have to be careful Not to pick up our burdens and put it back on our shoulders and try to bear it once Jesus has already taken it to the cross. But that's what we do. What is legalism? Legalism is simply this. It's an attempt to obey God's law in such a way that you're taking the expectations of Scripture and you're adding your own take on it and you're using that to gauge how good you are. And here's what happens when you do that. Not only do you place those expectations on yourself, but you wrongly place them on others. So when you come to Jesus and you take his easy and light yoke and burden, he's saying you're dropping the fact that your expectations are what you're meeting and others are not meeting. You're letting him meet all the expectations God has for you and for others. Legalism is a burden we cannot bear. It's too heavy. It's too much of a weight for us to carry around. If you want true rest, legalism is not the way to get it. Thinking you're right because you're doing things the way you think you should do them, thinking others are wrong because they're not doing things the way you think they should, that's a heavy, heavy burden. So what are the signs that maybe my heart is growing cold 
What are the signs that maybe I am indifferent towards others instead of loving and gracious toward them? Because that's what happens. You carry around this heavy burden and you're miserable. And misery loves company, right? Here's what happens. You hold traditions and customs in higher esteem than this. That's what happens. One of the ways you know that you're drifting away from loving Jesus and resting in Jesus and you're picking up those burdens and you're placing them on yourself is you begin to create traditions or standards or you're applying extra biblical traditions and standards. If any of you are familiar with other religions, especially Roman Catholicism, you understand this to be true of them. The Pope's word and the tradition of the church are held in higher authority and esteem than God's word. That's scary, isn't it? We think that's bad about the Roman Catholic Church, but we do the same thing. We go to church longer than a few weeks, and we've already set some standards for ourselves and others. Where we sit, what we're to wear, what we're to sing, what the temperature of the room is supposed to be according to my comfort level, how someone is supposed to act and talk, raise their children. We hold others to standards, and we even feel guilty about those standards we place on ourselves. And it's outside of God's Word, in addition to God's Word. So not only do we do that, but we look for what is wrong in others in order to judge them. When we're carrying a heavy burden, and we're miserable, we look to others to justify that heavy load we've placed on ourselves. So instead of setting the bar at perfection that God has for us, and we've received that in Jesus, we lower the bar to our standards and just high enough where it is above some others who don't meet our standards. So we can look down on them and we can judge them. We see other people's problems. We recognize other people's shortcomings. We're quick to call people on the carpet, but we won't look in the mirror. The standard we're holding those other people to is generally things that we're already good at and we can do. And it's sins that we don't struggle with. We're not tempted with those things. You see, Pharisees attack Jesus all the time for these kind of things for not washing their hands before they eat, for plucking the grains out of the wheat field on the Sabbath. They were all the time looking for ways that Jesus didn't meet their standards. And they judged him. Not according to God's standards, but according to their standards. That's a heavy burden. That is a horrible thing to carry around. Because when we do that, when we set up our own traditions our own standards, when we judge others, then we forget to look at our own faults and failures. And when Jesus is asking you and me to come to him and bring our burdens and take on his yoke, he's taken all of our ignorance and failures and shortcomings into context knowing that he died for those, that he forgives those 
that by his grace, he allows us through the strength of the Holy Spirit to overcome those. Our own faults and failures. Think about this. You look at others and you think, they drink that? They eat that much? They listen to that music? They watch those movies? You mow your lawn on Sunday? You don't close your eyes when you pray because I saw you. (laughs) That's what happens. And the burden becomes greater and greater and greater. And here's the beauty of the gospel. You are free to exercise your freedom in Christ. It's great. But you're not free to insist your expectations on others outside of God's word. It is so liberating to know that what Jesus has done for me, I can't accomplish on my own. And what Jesus is doing in me, I can't accomplish on my own. And what Jesus wants to do through me, I can't accomplish on my own. And I am completely undeserving of all of that. And the grace and forgiveness he's shown to me, when I think about what I have done to him, I should be quick to forgive others. I should be so inclined to show grace to others. As a matter of fact, I should spend my life serving others and adding value to their life so that they point to Jesus. So that they understand the burden-lifting, easy yoke of Jesus is for them also. What happens in this burden, this heavy, this shame and guilt-ridden life is rules become more important than relationships. That's what happens. Jesus is saying, I'm like any other rabbi. When you come to me and you receive my yoke, it's not all about rule keeping. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have expectations. But what Jesus wants with us is an intimate, vibrant, loving relationship. And that's hard to do if all you're worried about is following rules. His and those you tack on top of those and those that others expect of you. It's so hard to enjoy that relationship when that happens. Think of the rich young ruler. He asked this simple question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Think about that. Jesus is not saying you must do something to follow him. You must do something to inherit eternal life. He's saying receive something from him. Receive his gift of grace and forgiveness. Receive his yoke. Receive his burden. It's light and easy. Listen, either Jesus is a caring Savior that you can run to, Or he's a fearful judge you're going to run from. And if you're all about keeping rules, you're going to live in constant fear because you're going to be running from him. 
And oftentimes that spills over into your expectations of others. You want them to be rule followers. And you will call them out quickly on the rules that they don't keep, the expectations that they don't meet. The reward of taking on Jesus' yoke, taking on the yoke of Christ, here's the reward in that. You don't get stuff, you get Jesus. And with Jesus, you get rest. You get Jesus, and with Jesus, you have a comfort for your soul that no one else can give you. You get Jesus, and with Jesus, you get everything you need and more. Jesus is saying, when you come to him, lay your burdens down. Lay your efforts and your expectations down and pick up his. It's a much better deal than what others expect of us and what we expect of ourselves. Jesus is saying, the expectations I have for you, I've met them all for you already. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Because he has done the work for us, is doing the work in us. And one day we'll bring that perfect work to completion. He has stepped in our place and lived perfectly for us and met all of the expectations God has on us. He obeyed perfectly and he still allows us to have a relationship with God based on his obedience. The punishment we deserve, the, the, the guilt and shame that we bear, he took that to the cross. You see, Jesus wants us to trade that impossible burden that we can't bear and take on his yoke and his burden. So here's what I wanted to do in this time, is to think about this. What expectations do you have of yourself that you're not meeting? Have you created such a burden that you have no rest for your soul from the time you get up to the time you go to bed and the restless sleep you're attempting to get at night? Let me encourage you. To lay your burdens down at the feet of Jesus today. Maybe you think the burden is there because you've tried to make that relationship better. Or make that relationship real. Or make that relationship work with God based on all that you do or don't do. And you compare yourselves to others. Well, I may not be great, but I'm better than he is or she is. Maybe today's the day you realize it's not comparing yourselves to what other people have done, but it's receiving what Christ has done for you. That's a burden worth bearing. That's a yoke worthy of taking on. And that's rest you can receive. I talked to uh, Andrew and to Cody and to, to, to John. I think they're going to come up here. Is that right? Uh, Cody's looking at me like a deer in the headlights right now, like, what? But uh, 
Here's what I wanted to do in this time. Maybe in our past session and maybe in this session, you have something that you wanted to talk to somebody about, that you need to receive some biblical counsel and guidance and prayer about. Maybe you came in today and you have felt exhaust, exhausted and tired and you are feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders and you don't know how to be relieved of that. You can talk to these guys. You can pray with these guys. They'll help you. They're your pastors. They love you. Or maybe today you just simply want to stay where you are or come up here and pray and ask Jesus to take all the burdens that you've taken back from him and let him keep them and give you rest and peace that you need. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time. Would I pray you bless each and every one of us as we seek to receive what Jesus wants to give us today. In his name we ask these things. Amen. Guys, we're going to have our elders down front. You just need to talk to someone. They'll be out front for you. If not, let's stand and worship the Lord. I cry to you In darkest places I will call Light your ear to me anew And hear my cry for mercy
has come to make a way. God himself has paid the price. And all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. And all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. expectations that we've placed on ourselves, right? And man, what a burden it is to be relieved of that, and that's exactly what Christ has accomplished and offered to us this morning. Now look, if you were to go out right now and go to a restaurant, there is a 0% chance you'll be finished by 1 o'clock, a 0% chance. Our promise to you is that if you will stay with us today, I know, I know, right, you have so much going on, and it's a race to get home. Like, I, I feel that sometimes myself. Our promise to you is if you will stay here, you're going to be ministered to, but we will have you out by 1 o'clock. We're going to feed you. All of that's taken care of, and then you have the rest of the afternoon. And our focus here is not to burden you. It is to relieve you, okay? And, and so we're going to hear from more people from our congregation. We're going to hear one more time from Andy. We're going to have more uh, another time of, of meditation and prayer but I think this has been a sweet time today. Don't you guys think this has been a sweet time together? Okay, so so please, please, please. And maybe you came, and like this is your first time at Iron City. Welcome. We're weird. I know that. This has been a weird day for you to visit. Like, that's the story here. Get used to it, like, if you want to be a part of this. But we want you to stay. We have more than enough food. We have plenty of food for you to eat. We We have ladies that have been working to make sure this is pulled off. And so many people brought food today. 
Um, and we, so please, 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 please stay with us. And as a matter of fact, there's a, if you look in the chair behind that you're sitting in, behind that chair, there's a connection card. We would love just to know that you were here. And you can drop that in the offering boxes. We're not going to show up at your house unannounced or anything weird like that. We just want to pray for you, be able to send you some information, maybe drop you a note. Um, and I know many of you who are Iron City regulars, you want to worship the Lord through giving. Of course, you know you can do that at any of the boxes, or you can do that online. You can do that uh, through your text giving. Um, but I, I'm going to ask a blessing, and when I do, our goal is to get you through the line in about 10 minutes, okay? So if you would, if you would, you, obviously when you go to the restroom, you, you're free to do that. Um, you're going to go out these doors, form the line this way, and then they're going to take care of you in the cafe. Um, but as soon as you get your, your plate or your bowl, would you please come and, and sit here? Because we're going to be talking. We want to make the most of your time so that we can get you out by 1 o'clock. Um, so as soon as we have the majority of the people in the sanctuary seated, we're going to go, okay? Um, because we want to just make the most of your time and not waste a second of it. And so if you would, just kind of try to make the best time that you can. I'm going to ask a blessing here, and then you come. And then while we're doing this in this final session, if you need to get up and get something to drink, you need to get up and no one's going to be offended. That's totally, totally in, in play here. We want you to be able to do that because you know why? We're a family. This isn't a production. This is a family meeting. This is a family event, okay? And that's what I do at my grandmother's table, and that's what you're going to do here with us today, okay? So I'm going to ask the blessing, and then if you would, just kind of as hastily as you can, uh, just kind of go make your bowl, and then you're going to come and eat it in the sanctuary, and we're going to get back going again, okay? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I feel like every time when I come to church and I feel burdens lifted from my shoulders, I've drawn closer to Jesus. And Lord, I've, I've sensed that today. I've sensed peace in my own spirit a reminder of, of the expectations that I'm placing on myself and inadvertently on others. And Lord, what a burden it is to have to be the judge of other people. I am not equipped. I do not have what it takes. Lord, that's your burden to bear. And you've borne it, bore it willingly. Father, I pray for all of us that today we would walk and live in greater peace in greater satisfaction in Christ, in greater enjoyment of Jesus. You are an unburdening Savior. And we praise your name for that. God, one of the ways that you lift our burdens is you tell us to look out at the birds of the, that are flying in the air and to realize that every single one of them have food to eat. And because they have food to eat, it is a picture of your provision to them. And you say, are we not of more value than them? And so our food, every time we pull a fork or a spoon to our mouths, it is a reminder of your burden-lifting love for us through your provision. And God, now as we go to eat, we think of so many people that have so little to eat. And Lord, we have tables full of food here. And we have seen your goodness through that. We thank you for that. We ask your blessings over it now in Jesus' name. Amen.